everyone. Welcome to this audit auditory adventure. Um, I'll give a preface. So if you know me at all, you know that I love music. I love anything auditory. I just think that like, honestly, in general, I think that the auditory vessel is underused. So anyway, I've wanted to write songs for a while about a numerous amount of experiences, but instead I thought, you know, let's just, let's just talk about real life things. And hopefully this becomes a space where we can just have a candid conversation. I can be like your little pocket buddy and, and we just talk, we just talk. Um, so I have had something on my mind for about four and a half years that I've wanted to put into a linear piece of something. Like I've wanted to express it as a collective of my experiences. And that is emotional capital. And I don't know if any of you have heard of emotional capital or like have any visual I like thing pop in your head when I say that, but I think it's fascinating. I think it's at the heart of literally all that we do as emotional beings. And I think it's the key to understanding that sensitivity is a gift and that your emotions are too something that you should value and hold closely to you. So in order to explain what I believe is emotional capital, I, and this, okay, let me just break this down. If you made it this far, which is just two minutes in emotional capital is not something that should sound like a marketing or business heavy thing. Like, no, we're not talking numbers. I mean, we are, we're going to talk a little bit about numbers, but really this is just about how you value your emotions and where you see them, who, who has control of them. That's a big one. Um, so I looked it up and honest, like it's right in front of me. And honestly, it says people are rich in emotional capital. If they're are high in self-esteem, self-regulation, emotional energy, attachment, resilience, agreeableness, etc. I'm just going to have psychology. I, I said psychology. That's good. Psychology today, I'm going to have to disagree or not disagree, but I'm just going to have to kind of battle that because I personally think that everyone has emotional capital, even if you are, and especially when you are feeling extra low or just feeling kind of like, I just don't know what's going on. Um, because really that just, I feel like a lot of us hit that point. And that's when you should really be looking at your emotional capital. So I'm going to go ahead and reframe it. I think, so what does it mean? I think that emotional capital is the finite resource that you have that consists of your sweet little baby emotions that are so tender and gentle and need all the care in the world. And you only have so many of them. So you could think of it as a percentage. You could think of it as some physical form. But imagine a pot, like a honey pot. And all of your little emotions are in there. And 
they're just like perfect little innocent babies. And basically throughout your life, you nurture them and you find a way to invest them in people and yourself in things that make you feel really passionate and alive and in a state of just absolute wonder. Like your emotions are tied to everything. But I think, I don't think they are infinite. I kind of do believe that when you go through rocky roads, you discover that they are more fragile and vulnerable than you might think and expending them without kind of thinking about it or coming back to to surface and being like, wait a minute, where am I investing this precious capital? That I think that's that's an important piece. So all that being said, I feel like I first learned about this and really internalized it when I was a freshman in college. We love we love to go back there. We love to think about that vibe. Um, <laughs> that vibe for me, I, I got to say it. I was pretty happy to be a freshman. I was very excited. I wanted to like know everyone. Um, and I think that made my emotional capital and just my emotions in general, very, very like high. Um, I loved meeting people and then I would invest some in them and then I would invest some in another person and I would go somewhere new and put some there. So I was kind of like thinking that I could just rule the world and kind of just do that and everything would be rosy and you know, it, it is, but there was a situation when I was a freshman and that situation involved a boy who I was very crazy about at the time was very just I, you know, you, we all go through phases where we're like this, this person is pretty much the only one that I can think about. I went through that phase in sixth grade, you, everyone. And by the way, any, any human can go through this. So from my perspective, I'm talking about my past, um, boy, crazy event that happened freshman year, but this could be your attraction to any human being ever. So in, you know, I'm sharing your perspective that is of the nature of me being attracted to a male, but this I think could be applicable to nearly anyone or anything, you know, if there's any non-humans listening to this, just, just keep, keep listening. Cause I hopefully you, you find a piece to take away. Anyway, this person was just, I, I remember I made a Spotify playlist and I would listen to that playlist and I was so, I was literally like just so over the moon um, because I wanted to really fill out this emotion. And I was like, you know, at the time, my emotional little capital, my little honeypot was like still the same as it probably was a few years before. But in my head, I was like, oh, we're going to have to just rev up the volume. Like we're going to have to just give as give and give and give as much as we can because this person deserves this all so and they they didn't deserve it all um and i i had to kind of learn that through months of talking to a specialist who was like bestie let's let's like consider yourself for a minute so anyway Imagine just a young, a young girl in their feels, a young human in their feels, you know, 
you you become like you're in a frenzy really your emotions are all over the place you have no idea how to settle and how to how to trust like how to anchor really you're just you're just in the middle of it it's similar to when you're in like a honeymoon period you are you're so just infatuated by this human being and you're just you're like i just would do anything i don't i don't even know how to sleep at night because i would just do anything I remember um, in this particular case, it's the classic ghosting case. Perfect word to use for October. Happy Halloween. (laughs) I I was ghosted pretty hard. And this is like when I'm I'm 18 at this time. So like that was like a dagger to the chest. Also, I'll give more context. I was in acapella. I was like changing my style up. I was just like ready to just reinvent myself. And I think also when you leave a smaller town, you're kind of like, okay, let me spread my wings just in every way possible. Let me just trust everything that's new, which is, a, you know, I think a good overall attitude to have, but, um, that kind of explains how I became, you know, very, very obsessive about this one person. And then, realizing that like wait a minute like just hold on a minute like there's something out of balance so i got the good old-fashioned ghost and i'm not kidding this is so dramatic i my friends in my acapella group were like like i didn't go to i didn't go to rehearsal but this actually is serious like you can go through legitimate trauma from any sort of relationship that is a factual statement so this person wasn't talking to me and like it was i remember we had a snapchat streak and it was like above 365 and i was like dang i was like this is about to break there goes my heart i go in to my very first therapy session ever and i'm like i'm not even sure what i'm really doing there i just i just knew at the time that i could not show up to my acapella rehearsal because i was so distraught I don't think any of us as a collective, as a freshman species, I don't think you really know what's going on literally at all, especially if you move across the country. So that was just kind of funny to look back on because like, I just don't even know, like I didn't even know what socks I was wearing the next day. So I don't know how I let my emotional capital become so drained. But anyway, I sit down with my friend here and um, she's like, so, and I think that this is a real component to all this like you can start to feel like your experiences don't matter or should be discounted comparatively to someone else's but the truth of the matter is that if something is keeping you up at night or if you can't find peace on your own and you're trying but you just like melt and you just hate the world and like when it becomes that internalized like I believe that any resource you have is is a helpful one and in the sense of of someone who you can talk to, especially someone who is like a neutral listener. So talking to this lady. Right. And she is like, you know, you look, you know, how's it going? What what you know, what are you here for? And I was like, this guy ghosted me and I was I literally was a wreck like I remember I was crying I was so I was like 
I just don't get it. Like I just put my, wore my heart out on my sleeve. Like I was just so open with him and I just like X, Y, and Z. I was just so like, I basically it didn't even, she, I think she asked the first question and that was my like response. Um, my friends made me a card. I remember being like, get better, like feel better soon. Like I felt like my heart was simply on the ground out of my chest. So she was like, what is it that makes you feel like this is your fault or that there's something that, that you, that's wrong with you innately wrong with you that is caught, you know, that caused this wreckage. Like you deserved this. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I, I was like, I, I think it has to do with me just being open. I was like, I, I genuinely think that I'm too open. Like I, I let people in and I want the best for them. I want the best for the situation and I'm just open and I tell them everything. I tell them exactly how I'm feeling right away. And I'm like, I'm speed talking, right? I'm like basically coming up with every reason why this was my fault. The really like bad part of it that I'm sure a lot of you can relate to is that I was attributing the fact that this person wasn't paying attention to me to my inherent nature and qualities that that are me you're you might be an ambivert you might love to you know write out how you're feeling or you might take more time but I think a really tricky thing that we navigate in general is trying to change that method of communication for someone else and then you're like whoa like it doesn't feel natural you know immediately that it doesn't feel natural so I was trying to do that to this for this person whatever and that was one of the first things she told me she was like hmm there it seems like a you're blaming yourself for a lot of things that are just you um your style of communication your way of relating your openness she was like so that's that's a and then b basically i was so honed in to this one experience that i made it i made this one person indicative of how the rest of the world would treat me so it it turned from being like okay this is me experiencing a boy problem when i'm really young to me being like this is how the world will treat me if i'm my true self if I'm open, if I wear my heart on my sleeve, if I am actively engaged in my passions, like if I do everything with my, you know, most with the most sparkle and with the most livelihood that I would ever, you know, I will be rejected and I will be, you know, shunned and ghosted. And I basically I should tone it down if I want to fit in or if I want to not have this happen to me. And slowly but surely, I met with her for about six weeks, I think. Um, and she gave me this book regarding communication styles and the fact that I think one of the easiest things she could really teach me was that everyone has different communication styles and that the way you are, the way you communicate, the way you share yourself with the world and empathize, all of the above, like, that's you, you know? Like, it's just, it's you. So, and... I also think, you know, me reflecting on this now, but also me having just recently graduated college, it's like in that bubble, especially you are so like your, your style of communication, the way you present yourself, the hookup culture, like 
everything is is basically amplifying this this narrative this perspective that you should really really just try to fit in and you should really try to go with what everyone else is doing or else you're missing out you're probably not going to be as involved as the next person and like ultimately you're just not going to be cool and a lot of times too you'll be like i don't know I i think that i've realized more and more that everything becomes very watered down in an environment like that and that's just happens to be like the most important time of of growth one of the most important times of growth for your brain like your brain is just trying to grow (laughs) when you're like 18 to 22 man like it's it's like your brain just needs the space and the and the slack to like really just get in there and not feel that much judgment I'm meeting with her pretty consecutively at this point. It took me a while and I was, you know, burying my head, thinking every single thing's my fault, da da da. And then I remember there was one night where this person and I had started becoming friends again and they sent me a photo with another girl. And I remember seeing that and I was like, what did I do to deserve this? I went, I retreated. I went back to all the old thoughts of being like, this person's prettier than you, you, you know, they're, they're, you're not like in this cool circle. You're not going to the event that they're going to. I wasn't in a sorority at the time. And I thought that that was something I was totally missing out on just like all the above. I was so, I was like, really, you're going to send me this photo and say that, Oh, now we're going to be friends. And, and just like, basically just discount all of the emotional struggle that I that I've been through and now I laugh about it but actually at the time I was like pretty worked up about this person I that was in the moment I remember I was standing it was dark it was like past midnight or something and I was standing there and I was like wait a minute and then it felt like everything flooded back to me at one moment in time and I was like this person literally has a whole has a leash on my emotions like this one individual who just simply just could not care less about my well-being at this point is controlling how fast I can go to sleep at night is controlling my appetite is controlling the way I see myself look at myself in the mirror the way I what what songs I listen to like And I know some of you feel this for sure. Um, And I think there's there's a distinction between a healthy dose of sharing your emotions with someone who also is sharing them back with you. But if there's someone who I just in my head, I think of it as like a map. You draw a map out and I drew in in my head. I was like drawing a line between myself and that moment outside of this building after my, you know, rehearsal to this guy who was just totally had so much control over me. And I was like, what? And I was like, I got to snip. I got to like cut that. Like literally, I just have to, I, I, I can't know now that there's this leash that exists between me and this person. And that was the first moment when I was like, I can reclaim my emotional capital. Like I gave, I gave this person so much of me who just isn't, isn't treating me with respect, isn't treating me with compassion, hasn't even really asked how I'm doing or if I have struggled with this change. 
I literally was like, I need to, I need to take that back. And I, I swear I ran home to my dorm room that night. I was so stoked because I was like, it all makes sense. I was like, thank goodness for a, the therapist I was talking to, but B the fact that my brain now is like open. Like I felt like the floodgates opened and I was like, whoa, I can feel my energy coming back. I can feel my will to do things coming back. My, my focus coming back. Good Lord. My focus was literally all over the place and it was just, it it all happened at once. So I think something in that too, is that there is no exact timeline for any sort of healing at all. You know, it goes, it comes in waves, it comes and goes. And I think it helps to kind of visualize where you're at. I think just being like, okay, there, this person's experience is not the same as mine. And clearly people who don't respect you and who are just kind of out of sorts are, are, you know, in their own lane as well. So that was my first official discovery of emotional capital and me being like, I can actually reclaim this without his permission, without anyone's permission. When I was way younger, I auditioned for The Voice and, you know, I was in ninth grade. So like, who am I kidding? Like, I just, I basically ran up there and just like went for it. But after that experience, even I was like, okay, you know, I started to kind of lean into, I don't think I knew what it was yet, but I was like, okay, am I going to let this person, these people define how I see myself as a singer? Am I going to let them totally define for me what potential I have? Or am I going to see my own potential and recognize, take note of what they're saying, but not, not let it just completely flip upside down what I, what I, you know, have to believe in myself. This brings me to my sort of my my lessons from both this story, but also from really, really taking the time to investigate your emotional capital. I something that's helped me process all of this is because that was in ninth grade. Right. And life is turbulent. There are things that happen all the time. You develop friendships, you develop relationships, you move on in your life. You go through moments of remembering things and your emotions are part of that, part of those journeys. They're bringing you back to all of these important times where your heart has had to grow. And I think something that's helped me visualize it all is a field. So hang, hang with me here. So imagine like a big, just lush, open field. The grass is healthy. There's trees on the outskirts. Maybe the sun is setting. You see this field. And you, at certain points in life, will have a full bloom of flowers in that field. Your favorite flowers, a gorgeous spread of just beautiful, beautiful growth around that field. The field is your emotional piggy bank, that honey pot that I'm, that I'm describing of the place where your emotions can thrive and grow and, and just in general will experience change. So certain moments of life, you'll have that growth. You'll, you'll see it and you'll feel it. Those are the moments when you feel a spark in something. Those are the moments when you feel just passionate and driven moments that make you cry when you're just in the flow state in something, when you're just feeling so alive. That's when you have that growth, those flowers that are just everywhere. 
And then you have moments where it feels like quite literally there was like a forest fire. There was like literally a wildfire. And that might sound dramatic, but honestly, there are moments where you're like, I don't even think I have a single emotion left. If every emotion is a flower, like I, I kind of feel like this is like scorched earth territory now and there's nothing available. And you can actually switch between those two places pretty quickly. And not only quickly, but, but I would argue regularly if you're going through something real. So the coolest part, though, is the, I think the silver line, the piece that I think is so beautiful about that analogy is that even if there's a fire, even when there's growth, you're, there's seasons. So even if there's a fullest bloom ever, there's, it's going to be winter, right? Like the flowers just do not thrive in cold environments like that. So they're going to have to take a little break. There's going to be probably moments of questioning where your emotions lie. Same thing with, with if there's just a total wipeout, there's going to be regrowth. I think it's noticing what stage you're in of that. And that's where you can really gauge what you have to give, what you have to share, but also just who you want to be and, and really, really what you need um, and, and where you feel like you can actually invest your energy and where you need to be investing your attention inwards. Because a lot of times that's, that's what needs the most of your emotional capital It's literally just yourself. My first big tip and takeaway, whatever you want to call it, is that there is so much strength in recognizing who you are. And when I say who you are, if someone asks you the question, who are you? I'm not saying, you know, oh, I'm a student. Oh, I work for this place. Oh, I, even your, you know, your gender identity, sexual, racial, any sort of identity that you have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your, your soul and your spirit and the actual energy that lives inside of you that can bring you to really magical places when you focus on it and sort of focus less on the outside, all the outside things and labels and whatever people want to, you know, define you as those are more, those are more of things that define you versus the way that you can define yourself in, in taking a step back and being like, okay, who am I? I am someone who has an immense amount of energy, like so much energy that has a really cool way of showing up. And you can either be open to that energy or you can block it. And I think that that goes hand in hand with sort of this emotional capital piece of being like, do I have the strength and the circumstance? Like, do I, can I give this amount to someone else or do I need to give it to myself? Do I need to like rethink this um, and just kind of focus on things that will fuel my own excitement for the world and, and me getting up in the morning and me having that appetite and just feeling confident in my stride and knowing that I am so much more than whatever these circumstances are trying to paint me out as because you're also the same person that you were when you were four years old. You'll, you're the same person that you'll be if you turn 50, like there, you know, you're more than those circumstances. I think the other thing, and this sounds pretty obvious, but recognizing that you are in the driver's seat 
And by that, I say you ultimately are in charge of where you invest pieces of yourself. And I think that with that, you really don't owe that many people much of anything, especially people who objectively are not treating you with respect or kindness or showing up with their full energy. Like it's all about kind of knowing that, okay, I can, I can steer this. Like I'm not in a car without, you know, any, any sense of direction. Like I can actually understand the situation, look around me and say, okay, am I, do I feel safe and protected here? Do I feel valued? Um, and if not, you know, the, it's okay to take a step back and be like, I'm actually, I know what's good for me and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna coast. And I'm in, you know, it might be, you might be in a good place eventually to be like, okay, now I can re-enter the highway, but for a minute here, I'm gonna have to just step away, which I think is really helpful. Um, so you are in the driver's seat and you can take action and you can, you can claim your cert, you can claim whatever it is going on in your life that feels like it's taking control over you. You can, you can take the control back. And I think that that's, that's like the biggest thing I learned from that story of, of realizing my potential to take my emotional capital, my emotional energy back from this person. I was like, wow, like it, I really, really, really feel empowered now. I felt like superwoman. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like restored. Now that I know that this is something that I can do at the snap of my fingers, it just takes the commitment and the willpower to also recognize that I am enough and that I'm not, you know, I don't need to change myself for someone else or their expectations. The third thing is you are not your thoughts. And this ties in with what I just said, but you really, really are not. I think when we get into the headspace of thinking, okay, the thoughts, everything I'm hearing in my head, everything that's playing out, all my anxiety, all of my worries, my struggles, my stresses, those account for who I am. Bestie, that is when you get to a point of, of really, really shutting down. And it's okay to shut down. I think it's natural to go through these moments where we associate our thoughts with who we are and our potential. But that's the exact, you know, circumstance I was in when I started telling myself, oh, you're not pretty enough. You're not enough. You're not doing enough. You all X, Y, and Z, all the, all that negative self-talk, I think can become really impactful on, on how you see yourself and, and the, what you think you can bring to, you know, just about anything. So I think that a big thing that I, I kind of have taken away throughout the years and in multiple experiences, like I, you ultimately are so much more than your thoughts and you're really the observer of your thoughts. So everything that's, that's racing by in your head, you can, you can consciously be aware of and say, okay, I'm recognizing this like little clouds. I'm a big visual person, which is funny that I'm doing this podcast, but I do think there's a lot of power in listening, undistracted, act, actively listening. But there are things in our head. There are things that float around, but those are separate from our potential, from our consciousness, from who we really, truly can be and the potential that we hold. So 
that's something if you really, really say that to yourself every morning, I am not my thoughts. I just, I, I think there's so much power in that. And you can, you can start to see where your thoughts might, might lead you to think that you're someone else. I, I read something in the untethered soul, which has become a favorite of mine. Um, it's all about kind of like awakening yourself to who you really are and your potential and the point of literally everything. You just learn more about the universe reading that book, but they kind of talk about thoughts being like an annoying roommate that you have to live with. So there's no, there's like, it's unrealistic to say, Oh, sorry. I just, am going to turn you off. Cause you or shut you in a corner cause you can't. Um, that's probably what causes a lot of people to really, really break down one day out of nowhere, including myself. Um, but seeing your thoughts as like a roommate that you almost have to put up with and have to befriend because you don't want your thoughts to be like a negative thing all the time. But if you're able to kind of step back and say, okay, I'm going to live with you. Let's make this work. What is our agreement here? First of all, I'm going to see you as a roommate and not as me. Like, I'm not going to look in the mirror and say, oh, those are my thoughts right there. No, you're separate from me. But you do try to affect my decisions a lot and you do try to affect my perception a lot. I just have to work hard to make sure that I'm not feeling like I'm in a vulnerable position. Tell yourself, try telling yourself in the morning, I am not my thoughts. And whenever you are spiraling, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed by something, just try to say that to yourself and try to, it's almost like lucid dreaming being like, wait, I'm in a dream. I can control this. You know, like, I'm not going to let this overcome me. I'm not scared of that monster because it's duh. Like I'm in a dream. It's, it's a similar concept. The fourth thing is that you should treat yourself with the emotional padding that you would treat someone else with. I'm going to actually combine this one and then, and the last one. Um, well, there's one little baby one after that, but it's also, it's a gift. I'll say it again. It's a gift to be sensitive. If you're like me, you just go swimming in your emotions. Like it's, it's like, Oh, okay. It's five o'clock. It's time to, <laughs> it's time to jump in the, in the pool of emotions and just kind of swim around there for an hour and a half. Um, and I think with that, a lot of times, if you're an emotional person, if you're a sensitive person, you can just envelop yourself in, in the kind of very real life situations that those mind spaces will bring you into. And as you are, as you would support someone who is going through a tough time or who might be going through a good time, but who you just want to check in with, who you want to bake cookies for surprise with something like if you're that type of person deep down, you, you can do that for yourself. Like you can really begin to see incredible changes and just a little bit of brightness in your day when you treat yourself with the support and care and, and the listening ear that I keep mentioning. If you kind of bring that listening ear into your own space for yourself, by yourself, all the above, like you can see the most incredible changes. Things that might seem like they're just fluff are actually the foundation and they're really core to developing a happy mindset. And my friend Emily actually told me too that her dad shared with her that happiness is something that, you know, 
in certain instances feels better than others, but it's something that you earn. Like you have to commit to the work yourself to, to find sustainable ways to keep yourself in a, in a healthy mind space. And I think that's a really powerful thing when you can find your own versions of what that looks like and, and the things that really make you glow. And they're going to change, you know, they change with everything else we're talking about. And, and what I, the underscore of that was that it's a gift to be sensitive. If you take multiple, multiple eons to come to terms with something, or if you feel really affected by something that seems menial to someone else or fleeting, especially in the age of social media, which clearly was something that affected me in that story that I mentioned from freshman year, but will always affect the way we perceive the world. Don't feel like you are now like lesser than, or because you cry, you're not tough enough to get through something. I think that being sensitive is being open to the world and recognizing where your heart is too, you know, like actually listening to your heart and caring for it as you would all of these emotions that I'm talking about. And the last thing, this too shall pass. That is just, if you're going through something and it's affecting you, it's affecting your peace of mind, just know that it's going to pass. Like you're, you're going to glow, keep looking up in the words of Casey Musgraves, um, because now I can talk about this story and I think that it's important to know that things will pass and that the most important thing ever is kindness. At the end of anything, kindness to yourself is like number one, but kindness to others too. Like just sharing that gift with other people and and coming from a place of gratitude and understanding. Growing pains are real. You, you know, you can either have the pain of staying where you are or the pain of growth. And that's just about as simple as it gets. So this too shall pass and your emotions will challenge you. The territory that you kind of reach in in these emotional spaces, it's going to challenge you. And you're going to have moments where you feel amazing, where you feel on top of the world about something. Even even the day after I I made that, I, I had that little click in my mind about, oh, I can reclaim this energy. I still, you know, responded, I think, in a negative way to that Snapchat and was still kind of dealing with that. You know, I think. You just have to listen to where you're at here and now. And you have to take care of every part of yourself and know that you're meant to thrive. If you're, if you're putting out kindness into the world, if you're putting kindness into yourself, you're aware of the fact that you want to grow, that you're growing, that you're experiencing growing pains, whatever it is, you will get through it. You will. So thank you guys for listening to this first podcast. I really enjoy doing this. I think it's really neat and helps me too to tie together a lot of the pieces from past, present, whatever. I I feel like very, very in touch with myself when I'm able to talk about things like this. And hopefully you do too. With that, thank you and talk to you soon.